Welcome to Wednesday Night Live, the class that puts some peak in your week and lets you know it's downhill from here. If you've had that uphill feeling, tomorrow it'll be going downhill all the way. We're going to be studying Galatians chapter 5 tonight, 16 through 21. And let's start off by reading it. But I say, walk by the Spirit and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. For the desires of the flesh are against the Spirit and the desires of the Spirit are against the flesh. For these are opposed to each other to keep you from doing the things you want to do. But if you're led by the Spirit, you're not under law. Now the works of the flesh are evident. Sexual immorality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, enmity, strife, jealousy, fits of anger, rivalries, dissensions, divisions, envies, drunkenness, drunkenness orgies, and the like. I warn you as I warned you before, that those who do such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. Would you pray with me, please? Father, thank you for the people who are here, who took time out of their daily lives to be part of this class. And Lord, I, I ask you to help us as we look into your word to see how you want us to live. I ask that you help me get out of the way so that people can see you. I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay. What do you like about yourself? What do you like the most about yourself? Now, y'all hold back. Don't speak at one time. It's, it's tough. What do you like about yourself? Peter. Oh, I like the fact that I'm sitting right here on Wednesday night. You're sitting right there on Wednesday night. It's a good feeling. What do you like about yourself? Y'all can't be a bunch of grumps. I know y'all. You're not a bunch of grumps. What do you like about yourself? Megan. I have. Did you hear me? No, I couldn't hear you. <laughs> she, said, she said patience. Okay, very good. <laughs> Gotta have a couple more. Sue, what do you like about yourself? <laughs> Yeah, any idea what you like about yourself? Jay's trying to help me here. She, she says my organizational skills. Your organizational skills. They are good. We wouldn't get some of the things done that we get done without you. One more. What do you like about yourself? Bobby! 
everything, like everything. You like everything about yourself. That's a good attitude. But if I'm going to be there, I'll be there. In the time I'll be there, honest. I'll go out of my way. I would not miss it no matter what. You okay. have to call me because there's something wrong with me if I didn't miss it. I'm glad you're here. Okay, great. Um, what personality trait in yourself would you change? We just flip the coin a little bit. Shad. Always willing to help. Always willing to help. And you would change that. Change <laughs> Help me find a way around saying yes. Yeah. Okay. That's very good. It's not a bad thing. Got to have a couple more. What do you like? What your personality would you change about yourself? Is that hard? I didn't think that was hard. Sue. Sometimes it's hard to admit all the things that you would change about yourself. Uh, I think my uh, in, impatience it, with things, uh, expect and expecting everyone to move at my speed. Yeah, uh, part of my wife is that she wants it done yesterday, and. Uh, she usually gets it done by the estrogen, which is good. One more. Done. Online, Heidi says it's her lack of patience. Lack of patience. That's a good one, Heidi. That's great. Okay. When you get here, it seems that this passage is, is almost a complete departure from what Paul's been saying so far. He's been talking about living by faith, being justified by faith, not the law. So where's, what's the main passage that you see here? What's the main message that you've seen? Live by the Spirit. Live by the Spirit. That's the voice I'm used to. Didn't mean it that way, babe. I, 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 I'm sorry. Step right into it. I, I, not the way it's supposed to go. Chuck. Call that compound pedicide. Compound? Pedicide. <coughs> Shoot it yourself in the mouth, blow your foot's in your mouth. So. Yes. 
That was a definite put my foot in my mouth time. I've gotten used to the taste of toe jam often. I'm like Peter, gets to be your favorite after a while. Chuck. He's about, he's doing a contrast between if you're living by the Spirit, you're going to live this way. If you're not living by the Spirit, then you're going to have this way you live. So why wouldn't you live by the Spirit? I think if you take it overall in the context, and this is just the first piece of the premise to say, if you're living by the Spirit, you won't do these things. If you are living by the Spirit, in the next paragraph, you will be doing these things. You will have these fruit. Very good. I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the flesh. That's some almost verbatim for what Chuck just said. For the desires of the, fle of, fle of the flesh are against the Spirit, and the desires of the Spirit are against the flesh. For these are opposed to each other to keep you from doing the things you want to do. But if you're led by the Spirit, you are not under law. What does it mean to walk by the Spirit or be led by the Spirit? Hey. To seek His guidance, to look to the Spirit for guidance. Looking to the Spirit for guidance. In your daily life. In your daily life. Very good. Thank you. Remember, this is a discussion class, so y'all have to discuss. Just throw out what you think. Chuck. If you're walking by the Spirit, you're not walking for yourself. You're walking for God. So if you're, if you're walking by the Spirit or led by the Spirit, it's His Spirit. You're living to please Him. You're not living to please yourself. You're ahead of me again. Uh, what would happen if the Galatians lived by the power of the Holy Spirit? I'll slide over here. Doug got his hand up first. Verse 24 goes on to say, and those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions, with its desires. So if you're living by a spirit, you won't, you won't even see the sexual immorality, the idolatry, the sorcery, the rivalries. It's not the direction you're looking. Okay, good. I was just trying to connect it back to what we've been talking about all along and uh, living a life based upon faith in God as opposed to try to doing it ourselves. Uh, if they were depending on the Holy Spirit uh, and having faith in God, uh, they wouldn't be, they wouldn't want to go back to the wall. Okay, very good. Yeah. Um, yeah, I was just going to think back what everybody else said. It's uh, not living in the flesh, not, not taking the easy path. 
um, you know, living in the Holy Spirit, which if it was easy, everybody would do it, and it's not typically that easy. Okay, very good. What's the conflict between the sinful nature and the spirit? They oppose one another. They oppose one another. Good. with this as it goes along with the Judaizers and the law and stuff these uh, lust of the flesh you can write rules you can basically check yes or no I did this but when you get into the fruit of spirit it's more like the sliders on the soundboard back here how much did you love how kind were you how good were you there's no rule you can't say I did this three nights in a row it becomes less rule based less law based and you got to live by that heart and look for opportunity Okay, very good. Thank you. Anybody else? Sue? Thinking about the sinful nature part of it, that is, to me, is more uh, that self-will. Uh, I'm in control. I do what I want to do. Uh, it's what the, they... What he uses the word flesh, uh, wants to do, uh, that that is in control instead of God. Okay, good. Did I see a hand over here? No. Chuck. The, con the conflict is a contrasting um, nature of the person. Are they doing things that only benefits them, as opposed to doing things that benefit others and serves God. Because if you look at all those things, and so we've talked about a little here, is all those things that are the fruit of the Spirit are all characteristics of your personality. And if you look at the ones that are above, they're manifestations of the characteristics of your personality. But if your personality is me, myself, and I, you're going to be in the sinful nature. If your personality and, and, and what makes you tick to say, I want to do things for God, and I want to do things for those that I love that are here, that makes the characteristic of what your nature is. So it, particularly the, the fruit of the Spirit is really what I would call characteristics or results of who, what the person's nature basically is. Because in 21 it said, those who live like this, okay, it's not a matter of did you have, did you stumble? It's, no, that's my way of life, is I do all those things. It isn't like I fall occasionally, or, or I fell once, you know, I can't, I can't forgive myself because that's not the fruit of the Spirit. It's not what it's saying. It's saying these are people who live like this. This, this is their everyday waking thought of what they did things. Okay, very good. Thank you. If we walk by the Spirit instead of trying to live by law, we naturally shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. The fear of the legalist is that walking by the Spirit will give license to sin. 
And only legalism can keep us holy. Somebody define legalism for me. Chuck. You earn your, uh, you earn what you get. Okay, very good. Through a checklist, you keep everything on the checklist. It's contractual. It's probably the way Cain was and why God rejected his, his offering is because he said, I gave you this God, you need to give me that. Good. The thing about that is, it's just plain wrong. I could give you a list of things that you can't do and be holy. Uh, can't wear sandals on the beach. What else can I put in that list? Girls can't wear shorts. That was a big one up north. Hat? Can't wear hats inside. Okay, good. Women had to wear hats for a while. And then they went the other way. You see, when it comes to legalism, I can make my own list. And if I make my own list, all of a sudden, y'all are sort of bound up. I remember I did a thing at a youth rally. <laughs> Never got back, invited back to this one. And the teenagers asked me, can you wear shorts? And I said, if they're decent. And I had three preachers call me the next day, said, did you say teenagers could wear shorts? And I said, yeah, if it's decent. He said, well, you know teenagers will not wear decent shorts. I don't know that. I don't know that any teenager would not wear Decent shorts. But that's what's part of what happens. And Paul says, it's a bad way to go when you start going legalists. What shall we say then? Is the law sin? Certainly not. Indeed, I would have not known what sin was except through the law. For I would not I would not have known what coveted really was if the law had not said, do not covet. Okay, y'all got the picture. Paul says, I finally learned what do not covet meant. But sin, seizing the opportunity afforded by the commandment, produced in me every kind of covetous desire. From apart from the law, sin is death. Once I was alive apart from the law, but when the commandment came, sin sprang to life and I died. I found that every commandment that was intended to bring life actually brought death. 
for sin, seizing the opportunity afforded by the commandment, deceived me, and through the commandment, put me to death. So then the law is holy, and the commandment is holy, righteous and good. We know that the law is spiritual, but I am unspiritual, sold as a slave to sin. I do not understand what I do. For what I want to do, I do not do, but what I hate to do. Now, if I do what I do not want to do, I agree that the law is good. As it is, it is no longer I myself who do it, but sin living in me. Okay, let's see if I can make this make come alive for you, what he's saying. In Houston, Texas, I don't know how many of you have been there, they had a huge skyscraper. Down below, they had a fish pond. Nice size fish pond. And in every room they put the sign, do not fish from your balconies. They had a tremendous problem because people would get their fishing gear and try to cast off their balconies. And the sinkers would get caught by the wind, come back in, hit the glass door, and shatter it. They were losing up to six doors a day. So they go out and they say, how can we solve this problem? They say, call in the experts. So they call in the experts. And they all study it for two weeks. And at the end of two weeks, they said, take the signs out of the door, uh, off, out of the rooms that said you can't fish from your balcony. And when they did, they stopped losing the glass doors. Now, you ever see do not get on the grass? Do you see everybody staying away from getting on the grass? Some do, but a lot just think of any command. And right away, you want to say, I can do that if I want to. And Paul is saying that's why the law has its bad point. It's not the law's bad. It's that when you mix it with human beings, we want to do the very thing that has been prohibited for us, from us to do. Does that make sense? Okay, I'm getting some of this, and I'm getting some just blank stares. When you go on a diet, why is it so hard to get off fat food? Cakes, pies, donuts. Yeah. But you're not supposed to eat it. And if you're not supposed to eat it, that's what you want. Okay. That's what his point is. When it comes to sinfulness, if you give them a law, if you get them, you cannot, that's the very thing they want to do. For the sinful nature desires what is contrary to the spirit, and the spirit is contrary to the sinful nature. They are in conflict with each other, so that you do not do what you want. 
But if you're led by the Spirit, you're not under law. So how could the Galatian Christians lead a godly life? Chuck? Grace. Through grace. One of those long answers that you're known for. <laughs> Twice the amount of words you normally get. <laughs> That's one more than I usually get. That's true. What's the purpose of the law? Know what sin is, and we know that we need help. Yeah. It gives us the knowledge of what sin is, and that we can't keep away from it. That we need help. And God gives us help through his spirit. Oh, y'all doing good. Now we get to the good stuff. Now, the works of the flesh are evident. Sexual immorality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, enmity, strife, jealousy, fits of anger, rivalries, dissensions, divisions, envy, drunkenness, orgies, and the like and the things like these. I warn you as I have warned you before that those who do such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. What's the flesh? Chad. The weakness we all wear. The weaknesses we wear, good. This side, it's your turn. So somebody on this side, it's your turn. Shad, save that side. Sue. Oh, the, flesh, the flesh is the, is the sinful nature. It's just one way that some translations translate it. Uh, and we often think about it as just being flesh, uh, our physical skin, body on our bones, we think about that being flesh, and it is. But this is, it's referring to the whole being, our whole being, our way we think, uh, our desires, all that is part of the flesh. Yeah, this is smart. Whoa, put that out. Chuck. Picking up on what, what Sue was saying, the flesh would be the tangible, the things of this realm, the things you live for that are of this realm. Whereas the spirit would be the things that aren't tangible, the things that you live for in the next realm. Yeah, I was looking for a definition to help, and I went to the top when it comes to the book of Galatians. This is James Montgomery Boyce. The word flesh is the Greek word sarks. Have fun saying that. Sarks. Which means all that man is and capable of as a sinful human being. Came to me, man lost contact with God. 
He has desires that even at his best originate from sin and are stained by it. Thus, sarks came to mean all the evil that man is capable of apart from the intervention of God's grace in his life. That's just sad. Now, the works of the flesh are evident. Why do you think Paul lists, the, lists out the deeds of the flesh? Chuck. In society. It is. Very much so. Good. Sue. close am I to, you know, being, being sinful, I guess. I think maybe a lot of us use that list as, we're not that bad. You know, and uh, instead of trying not to uh, act on any of those things on the list, but I think a lot of us are like, I don't do those last 15. I'm not that bad. You know? Okay. Paul's point is that we're in a battle between flesh and spirit. The problem is we can't see the battle. We don't see the clash. And you can't see what's on the inside or what's happening. So this invisible battle has to become outwardly. In other words, we cannot see the works of the flesh, but we can see the effects of the body so Paul makes a list of things to look at for, by listing the things we can see the battle. This is Leon Morris. He's another one who really is great. List of good and bad behavior would be familiar to Paul's re write readers. <clears throat> Can't talk tonight. In many writings, there were lists of virtues or vices or both. Such lists are found both in the old and in the New Testament. So he's not doing anything that he isn't common for his people. They did this on a regular basis with their list to come down. Now Ronald Fung, I got to tell you about Ronald Fung. He was an American who taught mostly in China. And he had one book that he had translated over and over and over and over because he wanted to get it perfect. And it was the book of Galatians. 
So Ronald Fung is uh, kind of fantastic, and he's the one who decided the best way to study this section was to break it down into four cycles, or four different things. And so that's the way we're going to do it. Sexual, sensual sins, sexual immorality, uncleanness or impurity, and then finally lewdness or sensuality. Now the works of the flesh are evident. Sexual immorality. Some of you who have a Bible have adultery here. That's the wrong word. He tried, it's covered in that he says it's adultery, but this word in the original language is pornea. And pornea is a broad word. It includes a lot of stuff. Adultery is just one specific thing. By pornea, it gets broader and broader. And that's what I said here. You can break the trust, but you can do it in a lot of ways. If you bring another God in, and you worship that God, and there happens to be some getting drunk and all that, and some behavior because you all are drunk, the usual behavior was there were temple prostitutes they left out at the end of it while you were drunk, and that was the way you ended your worship service. Then there are, of course, the prostitutes, and this is the big problem in Corinth. In 1 Corinthians 7, he hits it. Then there's sex with another man's wife, or sex between two unmarried people. So you're starting to see the breadth of the word. It can mean a lot of different things. It was extremely, extremely widespread in Paul's day. It was so widespread that it was perfectly acceptable for most religions of their day. And most of the people who just had an everyday life to consider this just the way it is. One wrong, one right, it's just the way it is. And so for Paul to bring this out shows how serious he thinks the problem is at Galatia. but it always doesn't mean sex in the kind of thing that we think of. This is Jeremiah 3, 8 through 10. She saw that for all of her adulteries of that faithless one, Israel, I sent her away with a decree of divorce. Yes, her treacherous sister, Judah, did not fear, so she went and played the whore. Because she took her whoredom lightly, she polluted the land, committing adultery with stone and tree. Yet for all this, her treacherous sister Judah did not return to me with her whole heart, but in pretense, declares the Lord. Okay, can anybody tell me what He's talking about, he's talking about two different ones. 
Sue. Judah. Yeah. North country of Israel, south country of Judah. And he sent the north away because they got so involved with idols that God was actually number three on their list. They had Baal and Ashtaroth number two and God number three. So if Baal and Ashtaroth fail, they'd call on God. But if Baal and Ashtaroth didn't fail, there was no need to call on God. So God says, ah, I'm not taking that. Then he comes up with Judah, and he talks about committing adultery with stone and tree. Anybody want to take a shot at that? Chuck. Wasn't the shrine for uh, the, the male part of it stone, and the Asheroth was a tree which was a wooden stick that they had, whatever they did with it? Excellent. Excellent, right on. So, because they brought in other gods, God's had it with them. But he's, un he's really upset with them because of pornea. Only it's not with humans, it's with other gods. Okay. I knew I had more than I was going to get over. Uncleanness, very broad word. The best the definition I've heard are those actions which are not pure before God. It doesn't just cover sexual acts, but also speech. Uh, who would I want to pick on? I get Jim out in the, the lobby and I say, you know you're the smartest one in the class. And Jim says, thanks. You get a smile on your face if I say that. And the only one who's even close to you is Don. Now, I get Don back there and I say, Don, you're the smartest one in the class. And the only one who even comes close to you is Jim. Just move the words around a little bit. Do you all see it? One of the worst marriage sessions I've ever had was a woman who recorded her husband talking to his lover, and he says, you're the prettiest woman I've ever, ever been with. The reason I had such a hard time with it is that's what he told his wife every day. And now she says, I can't trust him with anything. So it's those meaning-type words where you use your speech in a deceptive way. Lewdness. 
it has the idea of ready to sin at any time. Someone who flaunts their immorality without any shame or embarrassment. A total disregard of conduct and restraint. When I was at Lipscomb, I was on the debate team. We went to Tulane. Anybody know where Tulane is? Baton Rouge, Louisiana, not Baton Rouge, New Orleans. You know what's in New Orleans? There's a street in New Orleans that you can walk down. And it has almost everything that you could possibly want to see sexually. And we, we, we told them we had to walk down the street. So we're walking down the street, but remember, we're from Lipscomb. And my debate partner's going, I hope the Lord doesn't come back right now. I really hope the Lord doesn't come back right now. Because we were in a place that we probably have a hard time explaining away. That's what he's talking about. In a place where it's lewd all the time. Now, there wasn't anything revealed, so we made it safely through that night. But we knew somebody was going to tell us and asked us if we'd been down the street, and we had been down the street. Okay, any questions? You'll want to come back next week. Next week, I plan to finish up the chapter. So, we've got a lot of words to look at next week. So, it probably would help if you go home and read the chapter so you know what's coming. Okay? You all been great. You always are. You're just a great group. I appreciate what participation. I appreciate what you've said. And you make the class worthwhile. So thank you for being here. And if you're online, thank you for tuning in. Come back next week, because it's going to get better. Y'all have a nice night. See you.